0: Good evening. What a privilege to be able to be with you here through the power of technology. Uh, I hope you are having a wonderful start to your evening this night to be much observed. Let's review briefly a little bit tonight, uh, historically, what motivates this night and what is on our minds and what the scriptures have to say. Uh, We know that Passover, the night before, last night, if you go back to ancient Egypt, it was when the power of Egypt over the people of Israel was broken through the terrible events of that night on Passover. The firstborn of the Egyptians had been killed according to God's word and his curse, but the firstborn of the Israelites who were safe in their homes, well they were safe there because the lintel and doorposts of their doors had painted on them the blood of the lamb, the blood of the Passover lamb according to God's instructions. And what a beautiful picture, of course, of how the blood of the Lamb of God also saves us from death. So that was the night before and what had happened in ancient Israel. And so let's kind of jump into the story here to talk about the rest of what follows. Uh, What happened the for the, the latter part of that evening, uh, going into the day and then leading eventually to the night that all of us are here to have in mind, this night to be much observed. Let's take a look at Exodus chapter 20. In Exodus chapter 20, we read, starting in verse 29, Exodus 20. Uh, sorry, I said Exodus 20. I'm in Exodus 12. Exodus 12 and verse 29. We read here, and it came to pass at midnight that the eternal struck all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, from the firstborn of Pharaoh who sat on his throne to the firstborn of the captive who was in the dungeon and all the firstborn of livestock, even of the animals, just really none were spared. We read, so Pharaoh rose in the night, he and all his servants and all the Egyptians, for there was a great cry in Egypt, for there was not a house where there was not one dead. What a massive event this would have been in the land of Egypt. Verse 31, Then he called for Moses and Aaron by night and said, Rise, go out from among my people, both you and the children of Israel, and go serve the Eternal as you have said. Also take your flocks and your herds as you have said, and be gone, and bless me also. So Pharaoh responded, he was broken at this point. You know, certain certain plagues had sort of affected him, but eventually his heart would be hardened as things were let up. But this was just the culminating plague. It broke Pharaoh. He finally said, Moses, Aaron, the people of Israel, all of you go exactly as you've been demanding all this time. In a sense, real Egypt's power over them had been broken in that way. Now, some are confused here because if you take a look, It's very clear that the Israelites, including Moses and Aaron, were to stay in their homes all night. And some people are confused here where it says that Pharaoh called for Moses and Aaron by night and said something to them and had a communication for them. We know that they did indeed stay in their homes until morning, until daybreak. Verse 22 of chapter 12 points out that that was a command of God, that everyone was to stay in their homes in Israel Until the morning, until the dawn there. Uh, And then also in verse 28, it says very plainly that they obeyed God in this regard. Moses, Aaron, the people of Israel did obey God. They didn't break his command or what he had told of them, uh, what he had told them to do. So how do we understand this passage here? Let's keep this in mind. It's actually worth reviewing from time to time. The answer of what's happened here, did, did Pharaoh actually call Moses and Aaron into his presence? That night, no, he didn't. Uh, if you actually take a look back in Exodus chapter 10, in Exodus 10, there is a passage that ex- that helps make sense of all of this. You actually have the plague ending before the death of the firstborn, and Pharaoh's heart has been hardened again, and he is furious. He's upset, and you see an important comment he makes to Moses in Exodus chapter 10, and we will take a look at verse 28. It says that Moses, sorry, Pharaoh said to him, that is said to Moses, get away from me, take heed to yourself and see my face no more. For in the day you see my face, you shall die. Now, how does Moses respond to this? We see this in verse 29. So Moses said, you have spoken well, I will never see your face again. You know Moses, speaking under the inspiration of God, says, "You know what? You've essentially prophesied, Pharaoh. You are right. You will never see my face again." We know that Moses did not travel that fall, that night to go and see Pharaoh because he says right here, "That's not going to happen." In fact, if you actually take a look at the next chapter in chapter eleven, Exodus chapter eleven. Moses actually explains what is going to happen instead. He says that the the firstborn are going to die, that that's that's the last plague. And then he says what's going to happen after Egypt loses all of its firstborn. He describes it in detail here in verse 8. Moses tells Pharaoh in chapter 11 and verse 8, And all these your servants shall come down to me and bow down to me saying, get out and all the people who follow you. After that, I will go out. That is, I will be leaving Egypt with these people. And then it says he went out from Pharaoh in great anger. What a turnaround that night would create. Pharaoh who has all the power, Pharaoh who has all the servants uh, and all the wealth. And then here's these people, these crushed slave people and Moses saying after this night it's all going to be turned around all of your servants they will be leaving your presence with your words and coming to me and telling me please leave exactly as you have said it's time for you to get out he says in an earlier verse he says that while you're wailing over the death of your firstborn he says not even a dog will wag its tongue at the people of Israel it's just really kind of a remarkable circumstance as Pharaoh's servants actually bowed down to Moses to say, please, please just leave. You know, the power of God has defeated them in that sense. But it makes very plain. Moses and Aaron did not go summoned to Pharaoh. His power over them was completely broken. They didn't have to respond uh, to this summoning man anymore. Uh, they were, in that sense, freed. So no, uh, Moses and Aaron did not leave at night and go to see Pharaoh. They did not break God's command in that sense. The Passover. Uh, went until that, that evening, it wasn't until the morning after, the break of day, that they actually left uh, left their homes and began the process of doing what was necessary to leave Egypt the next night. In fact, without going into much more detail about that, I would highly recommend that each of you, sometime over these days if you haven't reviewed it, take the time to read Mr. Gerald Weston's article in the March-April 2020 Living Church News, titled The First Passover. For those who ever get confused by some of these verses, that is the Passover on the 14th or is it on the 15th? Did they leave at the exact same time? You know, that night is Passover, or did they leave the next night? That article, The First Passover by Mr. Weston, gives you seven proofs concerning the timing of those events and proves absolutely that the Passover is at the beginning, the evening that begins the 14th day and then they left Egypt uh, the very next night it's a it's a great article just outlines seven proofs there so that's the March April 2020 Living Church News I, I highly recommend that particular article but let's get back to Exodus and chapter 11 sorry Exodus chapter 12 and let's continue the tale of what then transpired after that because as we will see it was an incredibly busy day for the children of Israel Exodus chapter 12 will continue at verse 33. So having gotten this word, they they began the process. And so as they're passing through Egypt and they're doing all the work they need to do, uh, it says in verse 33, the Egyptians urged the people that is the Israelites, that they might send them out of the land in haste, for they said, we shall all be dead. They were just terrified at what was happening to all of them. And they just said, man, if you people don't leave, we're all going to die. So they were urging them. While other verses point out that during that day in various places all over Egypt, they they were busy burying their dead because the dead were so many. Verse 34. So the people took their dough before it was leavened. They didn't have time to just let stuff set out and I will have lunch later and all the rest. They were a working people that day. Having their kneading bowls bound up in their clothes on their shoulders. Now the children of Israel had done according to the word of Moses. And they had asked from the Egyptians articles of silver, articles of gold, and clothing. And the Eternal had given the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians, so that they granted them what they requested. Thus they plundered the Egyptians. Some people get confused about the timing of this because the, the, the New King James has the word had there. The Old King James doesn't, and several other translations don't as well. The timing shouldn't be confusing. When it says that God gave the Israelites favor in the eyes of the Egyptians, it didn't mean they all just loved them. Oh, we just love having your people amongst us, and we love the fact that all of our firstborn have died, and we've gone through all of these plagues. Favor simply means the Egyptians were broken such that when the Israelites did as God commanded, as they were gathering their goods that day, as they were organizing themselves and moving, as we shall see, a vast amount of people over the course of that day to the departure point, they did as God asked, and they and they went to the Egyptians and said, "Give us your gold, give us your silver give us your give us your fine clothing, give us your your ornaments and jewelry, and such and the Egyptians did normally, when you ask people things like that, they don't give you those things, but God had broken the Egyptians in such a way that the Israelites had favorable responses. they actually were given their wealth, so that they were leaving Egypt like a conquering people. You know, normally it's when the victors uh, conquer a people that they spoil them and they take all of their goods and all of their wealth. And here you have these people who were slaves up until just the night before. They were slaves in that land. And now like that, due to the power of God, they're leaving as absolute victors covered in the spoil of those who would keep them down. Just an amazing picture. So verse 37, clearly a very busy day. Verse 37, it says, Then the children of Israel journeyed from Ramses to Sukkoth, about 600,000 men on foot besides children. A mixed multitude went up with them also, and flocks and herds, a great deal of livestock. It's talking about the first part of that journey. They actually leave from Ramses, as we'll cover here in just a bit. What a massive effort this was, if you pick up on the details that are actually said here. First note, it says 600,000 men on foot, not counting children. Now, this has been counted in various ways by some people in terms of how many more people are we talking about. The word there for men, it can be kind of flexible and potentially refer to just generic uh, adults. If it is just men, that means it's not counting wives, it's not counting uh, any of the ladies, or as it explicitly says, not counting the children. But at the very least, even if you somehow were to take that Hebrew word to mean both say men and women, if you're not counting children in the expanded families, we are clearly looking here, not to mention the mixed multitude as well, we're looking at a vast body of people representing surely easily at least a million human beings. Just imagine that. I have seen larger estimates. Many of you have heard them, and I, and I do believe that there's, there's reason to to invest in some of those larger estimates. But even if we don't, and we take a conservative number like a million people, what a massive undertaking that would have been. And back then, it wasn't like you had all your belongings on your smartphone. You just drop it in your pocket. They had possessions. They had herds. They had flocks. You know, and it's kind of hard to get the sheep running all day. Run sheep, we got to get there at a certain time. They're having to manage all of this and come from the vast area in which they've been living so they could assemble to their departure point. Again, a little more, potentially at least than a million people. Can we fathom such a group? That would have been quite an arduous day. And of course, they're not just traveling either. They're obeying God's command. And as they're going on their way, they're stopping by houses. They're, they're talking to the Egyptians and they're, they're taking of their things and and having to pack that away or wear it or whatever the case is. Just what a day that absolutely would have been. And they didn't just start walking out of Egypt immediately. It wasn't like the the exodus officially began the morning immediately after the Passover. The work was being done, but that actually isn't counted as their leaving Egypt. It wasn't until they were assembled as a people there at Ramses and left that God considers the leaving of Egypt to have begun. We actually see that in Numbers chapter 33. Let me read that just briefly, Numbers chapter 33. We'll start in verse one of Numbers 33. We read here in Numbers 33, these are the journeys of the children of Israel who went out of the land of Egypt by their armies under the hand of Moses and Aaron. Uh, We'll talk about the word armies here in a second. Verse 2, now Moses wrote down the starting points of their journeys at the command of the eternal. So we don't have to guess that Ramses was the place where the Exodus officially began, where this is actually where the people of Israel are considered to have been leaving egypt this is actually by god's command god commanded moses you write the beginning points of these journeys and moses faithfully did again verse 2 now moses wrote down the starting points of their journeys at the command of the eternal and these are their journeys according to their starting points they departed verse 3 from Ramses in the first month on the 15th day of the first month On the day after the Passover, the children of Israel went out with boldness in the sight of all the Egyptians. The Bible actually says in other places, like in Deuteronomy chapter 16, that it says God uh, had them leave Egypt. God brought them out of Egypt by night. This is that night, the 15th, the day after the Passover, that they actually left. When you go out and you see that beautiful, bright full moon tonight, if you have a full moon above your heads, that's the very same moon, if you will. It's the same object in the sky, that full moon that they saw as they were leaving that evening, uh, the night of the 15th, that night to be much observed, uh, they leaving Egypt. I always find that particularly moving when I look at the moon on this night. Uh, and then it said in verse 1, again, armies. That's kind of an interesting word. It actually is meant to reflect uh, the structure they had. They left with a particular structure. We're told elsewhere, won't turn there for the sake of time. But in Exodus chapter 13 and verse 18, it literally says they did not, well, it doesn't say these words that they didn't leave as a disorganized mob. It says that rather they left in a very orderly way. They left as an organized body, organized by ranks. Uh, They left, it says, uh, there's different ways to translate the word armies. They left in companies and divisions. They left as an organized people. When you see this in movies sometimes as it's depicted, whether it's animated or live action, you don't often notice that. It just seems like a massive bunch of people walking out of a city. But they left in an orderly way. They left as a nation of people. In a sense, a new nation that God was establishing in the world, the nation of Israel. All of that would have taken such a massive amount of time that first day. Uh, Actually, there's some that want to try to cram all of those things into the evening of Passover. Not only is that unreasonable, frankly, it seems to me it would have taken uh, virtually a miracle for them to get that many people and all those details together just to assemble at the point to leave the very next night from Ramses. But let's wrap up the account in Exodus chapter 12. In Exodus chapter 12, and let's continue in verse 39. We read, And they baked unleavened cakes of the dough which they had brought out of Egypt, for it was not leavened, because they were driven out of Egypt and could not wait, nor had they prepared provisions for themselves. So it was it was busy. It was uh, fast food, if you will. In Exodus chapter 12, they had to eat it while they were going. They didn't have time to st- uh, stop and sit and, and have a meal because they were busy. They were busy working. Verse 40. Now, the sojourn of the children of Israel who lived in Egypt was 430 years. And it came to pass at the end of the 430 years on the very same day, it came to pass that all the armies of the eternal went out from the land of Egypt. Verse 42, it is a night of solemn observance to the eternal for bringing them out of the land of Egypt. This is that night of the eternal. A solemn observance for all the children of Israel throughout their generations. And that phrasing there is worded different ways in different translations. It's why we call this evening the night to be much remembered or the night to be much observed. And that brings us to here. As Israel walked out a free nation, as we understand, picturing our leaving sin behind uh, as a people freed by God. And Jesus Christ. As we wrap up here, I want to just leave you with three things to to ponder tonight. Uh, As the evening moves on and as we move on to our food and our fellowship, I just want to leave you with three things to consider. Number one, last night, Passover night, was about what Christ did for us. But remember that tonight is about how we must respond to what Christ has done for us. We have to respond. God broke Egypt's hold on Israel that Passover evening. But come the night to be much observed, they had to respond. They had to do the work of responding to God's deliverance by walking out of Egypt, one foot after the other. Just like spiritually for us, on Passover, we remind ourselves that we could not have broken the hold of sin on us ourselves. We needed God the Father and Jesus Christ to act on our lives, and Jesus Christ did die for us to achieve what we never could. But it doesn't stop there. It doesn't stop there. There is more to the story. And tonight reminds us that there's only one legitimate way to respond to the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And that is to act. And that is to leave sin behind. If we've been freed from it, why would we ever stay? Uh, there's a verse that I when I always think of uh, at least once a year, usually when it comes to these two evenings and I'll, I'll just read it to you without turning there for the sake of time, but it's first John chapter four and verse 19 where the apostle John says that we love him because he first loved us. One verse that to me encapsulates both of these evenings. We love him because he first loved us. We keep this night and we can keep this night because he first acted for us. He loved us first, as we reminded ourselves on Passover, and therefore we must love him. That's why we love him. But what does loving him mean? It means acting on that sacrifice, not taking it in vain, but doing something with it and walking out. So that's the first thing I'd like to remind us. In fact, there's one verse that comes to mind. Uh, Turn to, if you have a Bible and if you're turning to them if you're not i understand you're all getting ready to eat first corinthians and chapter five. five first corinthians chapter five and verse six starting here first corinthians chapter five and verse six in which paul is reminding the corinthians of important elements concerning these days these days of unleavened bread Verse 6, your glorying is not good, he tells them. Do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? Therefore, purge out the old leaven that you may be a new lump since you truly are unleavened. For indeed, Christ our Passover was sacrificed for us. That sacrifice has happened. Verse 8, therefore, let us keep the feast, not with the old leaven, nor with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. One thing I really appreciate about how Mr. Ken Frank covers some topics is how he talks about the word therefore. And so I see verse 8 and I have to say, well, what is the therefore Therefore, for? I love Mr. Frank uh, when he says that. So we notice verse 8, it says, therefore, let us keep the feast. Let us get out the old leaven of sin And take in the the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth and godly things. But why? Therefore, he says, do these things. Why? Because Christ, our Passover, was sacrificed for us. Christ, our Passover, was sacrificed. Therefore, do these things. First thing I want you to keep in mind tonight is that this is the evening that pictures our response to that sacrifice where we must take actions. Uh, The second thing I'd like you to keep in mind tonight is that when we do leave, we don't leave with our tail tucked behind our legs. As we're leaving sin behind and leaving the world of the devil spiritually in that sense, we leave as conquerors, just like Israel did. They may not have earned the freedom themselves in that sense, and yet God still honored them and brought them out as if they were conquerors. Uh, Let's turn to Romans chapter 8 and read Paul's statement about this Romans chapter eight and verse 37. Yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. We are more than conquerors. We leave sin just as Israel left Egypt with a high hand. Because if the son has made you free, you are free indeed. We do not barely escape. There is no excuse to going back into sin. If we go back into sin, it's because we chose to do so. Do so because we leave with a high hand as more than conquerors. So it's a it's a remarkable thing to keep in mind, and I hope that we'll keep that in mind tonight. As part of why we do up this evening so nicely, that's why we like to actually have uh, you know nice things, right? To to really do up this evening and make it something special to remind ourselves that we came out with a high hand. Finally, the third thing I want to encourage you to do is reflected in Exodus chapter thirteen. Exodus and chapter thirteen, and. I read in verse 3 in Exodus 13, Moses said to the people, Remember this day in which you went out of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. By strength of hand, the Eternal brought you out of this place. No leavened bread shall be eaten. And then let's jump down to verse 8. He says, And you shall tell your son in that day, saying, This is done because of what the Eternal did for me when I came up from Egypt. That admonition there tells us To take this personally and to pass it on. And that's the third thing I want to encourage you about. I encourage you to have those conversations tonight. Talk with each other. Talk about how important it is to you that God did bring you up out of Egypt. Talk about the beginning of your journey. Encourage each other with those things. Talk to your children tonight and explain. You know why we're doing this? Because God brought me out of spiritual slavery And here's what it means to you. And here's what it means to me. God wants us to pass these things on. And tonight is a night that's been set apart for that beautiful and special purpose. If you've been reared in the church, and many of you have the blessing of doing that. My wife has that blessing. My children have that blessing. Then reflect on that tonight. What does it mean to you to have been brought up in the truth? Uh, And to not have to have spent time living in the depths of Egypt and in slavery, but to have access in that sense to the tree of life uh, that so many people don't have access to. Let's take advantage of this night to have those kind of conversations uh, with those around us. So anyway, this is a beautiful night, a night to be much observed and much remembered. And let's take advantage of it for everything that it represents. As we set our minds again to put our backs spiritually toward Egypt and face our minds, point our eyes, look forward as Israel did, to the promised land that God sets in front of us and make that our focus and our goal. Have a wonderful evening.